Welcome to the Ready Yeti Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. What is going on, Ready Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. And on today's episode, I am chatting with the founder of Bradley Mountain, Tyler Axtell. And if you're not familiar with Bradley Mountain, they make handcrafted bags and lifestyle products in San Diego, California. Their products are pretty awesome, if I don't say so myself. One of the things that I think stands out is the leather work and sort of just the craftsmanship that goes into each product. And with that, Tyler, I want to thank you for taking the time to chat with me. Hey, Josh. Yeah, how's it going? It's going good. How is, uh, how's it going in, in San Diego? It's great. Um, I'm actually in the workshop now. So if you hear hammering and that kind of thing, the guys are making bags right now. So, um, sorry, nice. no noise. <laughs> no worries at all. So <laughs> right off the bat for the listener, um, who may not be familiar with Bradley mountain, what, what are you guys about? What do you offer and how are you different than other, um, brands in your, in, in your market? Yeah, I'd say that, I mean, the, the biggest things that stand out about us is that we design and create the products, um, right here in house in San Diego. Um, and we build them around the kind of lifestyle that we live. Um, so we really just started everything off with the passion, um, of creating bags that we wanted, um, me specifically. And, um, and then beyond that, or with that, the, the brand exists now to activate people into their dream adventures and into um, <clears throat> starting businesses of their own. And so we, we try to make every interaction um, be an inspiring interaction, um, whether that's um, through the product or through people, you know, meeting people or um, getting to show what we do here in the workshop. That, that's really awesome. So how, how did you get into hand-making bags and lifestyle products? <clears throat> so I started, um, I started out with no experience like everyone does. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, I, I was going to college, um, going down to Point Loma in San Diego and I wanted a bag to take with me that was, um, I kind of had this like dream of a bag that I just thought would be fun to make, um, something that um, wouldn't be too baggy, wouldn't have too many um, excess um, features, something that would just be um, stripped down and exactly what I wanted. Um, and I had no intention of taking it to market. Um, so I asked my mom to help me out and um, we made this bag together. Pretty much she just made it because <laughs> she knew how to sew. And um, <laughs> I kind of told her the style I wanted and we, we pulled some like old belts together and, and got some canvas and made a bag. Um, and then from there I took it to school and walked around with it. And a lot of people on campus noticed it <clears throat> because it was different. And, um, so really, I mean, the, the start was just a genuine love for just carrying something unique. Um, something that I wasn't told to wear something I wasn't, um, kind of, um, used to seeing and, and by the nature that was an attractive thing to other people without a doubt. So with your background, what did you go to school for? And did you think it was, did you ever feel like you were going to try and start your own business? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I went to school for sociology 
Um, and I was studying um, kind of with the goal of being um, like an overseas um, aid worker or helping in some way. I didn't really have um, a direct plan, but I, I just wanted to help people and create something that um, – or not create, but like to – I wanted to impact culture, I guess is the bottom line. And with that, I was kind of thinking like civil engineering or something because I've always been good with my hands <clears throat> in designing or creating. So thinking like maybe I'll start with sociology, move into civil engineering. Um, and as that kind of unfolded in my education, I just fell in love with, um, with making, um, I would go home after lectures and just, um, kind of unwind by making stuff. And then, um, through that kind of, I was in these classes that we're talking about, <clears throat> like the, the corporation and how so much of our culture is comprised of this, like generation that's given over all of our pride and on quality to other nations and basically have outsourced everything with little care for <clears throat> the quality and the story behind it. And obviously that sounds obvious now because I think the, the, the story is being told a lot better. But even five years ago, I think um, to me that was still pretty new. And so um, I was like, well, I'm making stuff in my garage and then I'm hearing about um, how our world is, is so void of um, quality quality um consumer goods that are that are actually like being built ethically um so that's sort of a, a long-winded way to say that um sociology fed into the business and craft um kind of inadvertently i think that's such an interesting journey um how did you so you you were you were spending a lot of time after school and in your free time sort of building your skill or improving your skill how did you from that first bag that you made with your mom to where you are now where you have a full line of some of the top most the top quality um products that you could possibly um buy how, how did you get how did you get from that point to where you are now yeah um that's that's sort of the that's sort of the piece that is hard to explain, but the, I mean, the true, the truth is that I've just, I've spent countless hours, um, in my garage. I moved a few times, but just moving into new garages and just kind of figuring out, um, little pieces at a, at a time, um, sketching ideas, um, buying more leather, uh, um, working multiple jobs, just really just grinding. And I think, um, in terms of the skill and the design and the, the like creation of a, like a full line that, that came with testing out each product, um, myself and then kind of like asking the next question, um, like this bag works, but <clears throat> what else do I want to carry? What, what else, what other needs do I have and where, like, what can I build for that need? Um, so it's all been like the, the line has evolved as, as my lifestyle has evolved. Um, if you kind of like picture, if you picture me at school and then like starting to travel more and starting to try things and meet people. And I think the line sort of grew with, with that journey. Um, and then 
I mean, obviously that the whole piece of like hiring staff and bringing people in is a, is another, I guess that's another question, but <laughs> yeah, that, that was actually going to be my next question is how did you take, take this and then uh, bring on new people? Cause I know you, you've got a team of about six of you. So did you bring on people who already had skill in, um, making, uh, bags out, out of leather or was it sort of a, a, a learning process? It's yeah, it's been, um, I mean, surprisingly, I guess not, maybe it's not surprising, but there's not that many people, um, I've, I've met that know how to do this stuff. Um, so there's a community of people out there, um, to tap into, but I really didn't know, um, too much. And so, I mean, just how I learned, um, slowly started bringing people in, um, my friend Andrew, would come by and hang out while I was making stuff. And, um, he, he's right over there now sewing, but he's like one of the first guys that came in and, um, just started hanging out and slowly like learn the process together. And we've developed things. I remember one day we sat down and designed the scout bag together. And that was like, it was really fun to bring someone else in on the, that design. Um, and I was also living with a guy, TJ who who now is one of my he's like my shop manager and him and I were living together he was actually working for another company um designing bags and it was like this crazy coincidence that we were both passionate about designing and creating um quality goods and so slowly um just supporting what each other uh was up to we kind of like merged and he ended up jumping on board a while back and, uh, it's really just, it's been a really organic thing. We've, we've never really <clears throat> shot out like Bradley Mountain is hiring. Um, I'm sure we'll do that someday, but there's always been people kind of at the door ready, ready to jump on. And I think, I think that's because we're really involved in our, our community and we, um, we continue to ex- expose ourselves to new groups of people. And usually like those people will reveal themselves, um, ready to learn. Um, so we train within and, um, we, we create our own process here. Uh, um, there's probably things we don't do that are traditional, but everything we do is, is tested with, um, basically what, where do we want to get to? How can we design it to be durable and, and to get the product to where it needs to be? Um, so we figure that out together. That's really interesting. I think you, you brought up a good point of the sense of community and, keeping staying involved with your local community and you'll find people who are interested you'll just you'll attract them and those are the definitely the best kinds of people you want to have in your organization that are around even when they're not employees and not just doing it for the paycheck mm-hmm. they actually care about what you guys are doing um absolutely so, so like looking at your your product line specifically um focusing on bags because I, I feel like that's sort of your predominant uh, <coughs> product and you can correct me if i'm wrong but who would you say is the ideal um person that would um benefit from one of your bags yeah i'd say um <clears throat> i'd say the um kind of late 20s or mid 20s person that uh um, really wants to start investing in their future, um, things that they're going to have for the next 20, 30 years, um, kind of, kind of people that are ready to start an adventure in their life. Um, and they're willing to be creative and a little bit different. And I think, 
um, I think our bags are a great accessory to that kind of life because um, they're built around minimalism and, and thoughtfulness and they're for people who have, you know, maybe one or two jackets and a couple pairs of boots maximum. And like, they, they really think about where they're traveling and they really focus on their, their friends and their community. And, um, it may sound kind of like a stretch, but when you really sit down and look at it, um, the things we use are a reflection of, of who we are. And so, um, yeah, that, that would be my answer for that. That's interesting. So you mentioned the fact that the bags last so long. What about, what is it about the process in which you, you make them that makes them last so long? Um, yeah, I mean, the first, first thing is just using real leather. Um, I think everyone loves the look. Um, and, and that's great. But when you really, when you, when you really get, uh, it's so obvious to us here because that's you know that's what we do. But there's so many people out there that have never really had a, a bag made with wax canvas and leather. Um, they've never even touched one, um, and when they do, they they can't believe the texture and the the detail and the like um, the durability of it. And I think I think it's still this thing that. People are used to buying things that look good, but they're not necessarily used to have, owning something that like breaks in and wears in and actually gets better as you use it and um, like kind of takes on a character of its own. Um, so, I mean, we use <clears throat> we use handset copper rivets to, to fashion the leather to the canvas. Um, all of our rivets are leather backed. Um, there's probably only a few listeners that even get what I'm talking about, but the, <laughs> the whole way that we construct things um are very intentional um we use like a heavier weight thread um that's poly uh nylon coated and or pilot poly threaded sorry poly woven and um that's stronger thread and just everything that we choose to use is um kind of with that end result of um quality that's um I think, it, you know, you don't realize it when you're buying something, but the quality material that goes into it is so important. And with you, I feel like it's definitely, um, it's more transparent than a lot of, a lot of brands that are out there. Um, what would you say is something that might not be as well known about you, uh, one of your products or, or your business that really differentiates you from other brands in, in, in your industry? I think that um, what makes us stand out or, or what maybe people don't know that's different about us is that we we really care about other people's journey. And um, as we grow as a brand, we want to um, start mobilizing that piece of us. Um, so, I mean, the dream would be to send people on trips and to get people together and um, go on camping trips or go on excursions um, that create an environment for people to share stories and, and really like push each other. Um, I think there's a lot of amazing brands out there that are doing something like it, but where, where we would be different is we really want to sit down with people and, and be there. Um, and as our team grows, we're always going to be people that are bringing others in um, to talk and to 
um, make things together. And we, we always want to be transparent about what we do. Um, and like one thing I do on my own is, is mentor a lot of other leather workers and people who are trying to start businesses of their own. Um, which is probably, you know, you don't probably get that from the average, uh, person, I guess. Yeah, no, definitely not. I think, um, I feel like most entrepreneurs have that sort of drive to give back, or at least ones that have more of a social mission uh, with mm-hmm. with their brand. Um, yeah, a lot of the people that I interview on this podcast, all of them have sort of that that thing that they're really passionate about. Like like Bob from um, Sackcloth and Ashes, like hearing his story and hearing just how genuinely much he cares about helping those who are on the street, I think it, it, it's just, it, you don't meet that many people like that and being able to support brands that align with that and, and are focused on that and make that a priority outside of just making money, I think is, it's an important thing that you, people should try and support, even if, you know, the price tag is a little bit more, maybe, or maybe it's not, whatever it is, I still think it should be a, a important aspect and, I, and I'm glad that you, you brought that up. Mm-hmm. What what would you say along this journey? So you've been at this. You guys were started in 2012, and obviously you spent a little bit of time before that uh, honing in your craft. What, have you had any mentors along this journey that have gotten you to where you are now? Um, I have. Um, there's a few people that kind of. I would say I, I've had that role kind of split around between a few people, but. Um, uh, one of the guys is um, uh, Sam Larson, <coughs> who owns um, a shop. Actually, the first shop to ever um, carry us. Uh, his shop's called Lone Flag up in Del Mar here in San Diego. And um, he's just super supportive. I was I was really new to the industry, and he's been doing sales and, and design for a long time. And so... Um, just hearing his thoughts and and having him take a chance on me was really big and um, really gave me a boost. Um, And we had, you know, we saw eye to eye on some stuff, but he also just really, I think he saw um, potential and and he wanted to um, just encourage. So that was, I mean, just having someone encouraging has been cool. And just, um, he, he knows a lot of people and, and then another guy, uh, Ryan Sisson, owns um, Moniker, which is the building that I work out of. And um, we, you know, we've met up a few times and talked about some of the growing pains of, of running our own business and, you know, where do you find funding and how do you manage staff and just having someone there to bounce off of that is struggling with the same things and is farther along than me has been huge. Oh, without a doubt. Um, so have you guys raised capital? Um, we're actually working on our first round, um, right now. So, um, it's been bootstrapped completely until now. Um, and we're kind of like at this point where we see a a ton of growth opportunity ahead. And, and, um, I think we're probably starting a little bit later than, than some, but I I think we really just wanted to, I really wanted to test the product first and make sure, um, we had what it took to be, to be a brand and to to offer something really valuable, and um, I think now that we know that, um, it's time. Yeah, you've gotten your product validation, 
Um, and I think that's definitely will make it a lot easier for you guys to raise money because you've been around for a number of years and you've got all that data that you can use, which should definitely make it a lot easier for you guys. Yeah. What What is your commitment to sustainable manufacturing? I know you guys do everything, all the manufacturing in San Diego. Could you sort of walk us through um, how you um, have developed that process and kept sustainability in mind? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, there's the basics, which is just, you know, it, is the labor here um, putting people forward? Is it um, bringing life to those that are making the product or is it, you know, is it taking from people? And uh, um, obviously keeping, I'm not against overseas manufacturing, actually. I, I think it's a, I think that idea has been um, a little over, um, kind of over, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like a little too harshly, um, examined or not examined, but, um, I think there's this bad connotation of like, it's made in China, which for, for good reason, because we're used to these cheap products made by children. And that story has been told. And and thankfully so that, that, you know, that there's been a pushback. Um, I think, I think just keeping, I think keeping manufacturing in the U S um, obviously that's great for our economy, but I think a big piece is just that you can control the factors, um, and you're seeing it and you're aware of it. And, um, I think there's probably really awesome factories all over the world that have amazing managers and amazing work environments and, and you just got to find them. But, um, for us and the journey for me is, um, I love, I love making stuff and I love working hands-on. Um, with people and seeing um, every step and making sure everything is um, exactly how we want it and um, and more than more than designing bags I think what my passion is is um, raising up leaders and raising up people who um, have potential in themselves and so um, getting to, to make our everything here um, gives me that opportunity every day um, and so my commitment to for Bradley Mountain is just is to to be a place that manufactures and to build a community here that um, as we grow can be supportive of each other's ideas and you know maybe even branch off and start things together um, and that having an environment where you're you're present and you're seeing it. Um, creates a ton of opportunities for new ideas and new designs. And, um, I think when you're, you're blinded by your manufacturing and you, you're just outsourcing, you, you probably miss a lot of that story. Um, and you, you miss getting to take part in, um, just the integrity of the product. Yeah. So you, you definitely touched on, on this a bit so far. Um, but what would you say is the overall culture that exists um, inside Bradley Mountain with, with your team of six and obviously your workshop and the sort of daily operation? Um, I'd say the culture we have here is um, quality, uh, quality, efficiency, and um, fun and encouragement. I think 
I think those in short are what we are about. Um, we're always lifting each other up. We're always taking a minute to, to catch up. We're always, um, we're in here really invested in each other's lives. And so the, the manufacturing is only a piece of what we attribute to working here. Um, and, and there's a ton of pride all around in what we do. Um, everyone's a, everyone is a like strong, um, peace and I think everyone owns it in their hearts and when we go to trade shows or we go to um, events everyone's diving in and, and just welcoming everyone around them and and so I think the the brand the overarching culture that we uh, have created is um, friendship and like genuine interest and inspiration in each other's lives right so what is an average day like for you at Bradley Mountain um, I'm stepping back more and more right now. So my days are changing, but, um, I mean, all up until last year I was, um, working 40 between like 40 and 60 hours a week, um, making bags, um, and riveting and sewing and cutting out leather. Um, and as I've built a team, um, and they've just taken it on and are doing so well now I'm able to, um, work on marketing new products, um, working with um, awesome boutique shops to um, create an experience for people all over the country to experience our, our products. And um, so we're really um, kind of taking it forward and I'm making that transition from a, um, like a maker into a leader, um, which has been, you know, it has its own, it's its own journey um, of, of its own. Yeah. So what was, what's the journey been like for, with, with growth from when you started in 2012 to where you are now? Has it sort of, did it start off slow? Did it, has it been sort of pretty consistent with growth? How, how has that been? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think a lot of people will um, ask like, when was your big break? And um, we've had some awesome opportunities along the way, but to be honest, it's been a pretty, pretty steady ride. Um, I think we've, we always have grown faster than I was expecting because I've had low expectations on it. Um, but <laughs> my, um, the journey for us has been kind of this like steady upward growth in the last five years. And I, I really think the last, uh, last year was our bigger, like, um, we definitely hit a steeper curve in our growth and, and now that that's sort of what's led me to, to really think like, okay, <coughs> do I, do I want to just keep growing slowly <clears throat> or am I, am I someone that wants to be, you know, to be somewhere in a totally different realm in, in a few years. Um, but the growth just bootstrapping is to be honest, um, very tied to our cash, just being a manufacturing company. Um, there's just only so much you can make with the money that you have. And so I've had to be creative with like growing our, um, social media reach and growing our, just our, our awareness of, um, people that have met us and, um, showing up in spots that are new and different, um, getting in front of different, um, audiences. So I think, um, I mean, yeah, the beginning was very slow. It was just me, just me making, making bags. And I remember the first time I released, um, the biographer was our first backpack and 
it was sort of a, a reiteration of the first bag I made, um, but many, many iterations later. And um, I like, I think I, I pre-ordered like 30 backpacks um, from this network that I had built over like six months. And I had, I had built 30 people, 30 customers came together and, and pitched in. Basically, I was sitting in my garage just like, working like crazy and I think it took me like a month or two to, to finish them and um and that you know that till now is is something where we you know we can make that in a week or less and so having um it's just been a, a story of like true uh you know what people I guess what people imagine is the American dream like when people talk about that just um, you know, you buy a hide of leather, you make what you can, you sell it, and then you buy two hides of leather or whatever. So, um, yeah. Yeah, no, you're so right. Um, what would you say is one of your biggest fears and how do you manage it with, uh, Bradley Mountain? Yeah, that's good. Um, I'd say that one of my biggest fears is, uh, missing a chance to inspire someone, um, missing a chance to provide like a quality experience. And I think those sound different, but they're, they're really similar to me because, um, anytime that we ship a bag to someone and, and they're not impressed or they're not inspired, um, I think is missing, is missing out on, on an impact that we could have made. And, um, I really believe strongly that the things that we carry and the things that we, we use every day play so much into the way we think. And I think if, I think every time, um, if we, you know, every, anytime I've ever let someone down or, or maybe like didn't exceed someone's expectations with, with my product or my interaction with them, um, that's been like the biggest pain for me to carry. Um, because I think that um, everywhere we go and everything we do can can impact people greatly. Um, so I think how I manage that is just being really, really meticulous about quality in the shop and being very intentional with the way I talk and the way I listen. And um, I think those are very tied together. Yeah, I think that that's great advice. Um, and it, it goes to show that you cr you really actually care about what you're producing, and you want to make a positive impact on on people when you sell when you're selling them a product, which I think is very important mm -hmm. in, in any in any business, whether it's in the outdoor world or, or whatever. What what advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a a business in the lifestyle or outdoor world, or even just yeah, a business in general? Um. Gosh, I would probably say that um, if you feel like you have something valuable, if you feel if you feel like you're starting with something, um, really believe in that and really like mold it and test it and like offer it to people that it can be tested to and. I don't think anyone, I don't think people should offer their dreams up too early. I think you need to develop them a little bit. But if you have something that can be a product or a, an idea that you want to take to market and you want to create, um, 
find find the pride in it yourself. Um, I think there's really smart people out there that can create money out of thin air, and they can <laughs> can come up with businesses. And they, I think that's fine. Um, but my story, something I'm deeply connected with and passionate about, is now what I do for a living. And um, and so my advice would be like, don't just don't just look around and make don't just make leather goods because it's cool or like don't just, and I don't, I'm not threatened by leather workers. It's just this idea that like, um, it's popular maybe. And, and there's a million industries where, you know, something's popular, like a, doing a tech startup or making an app or, you know, um, you name it. But like, if, if you want to open a restaurant, think about the food, think about the experience, think, think about what do you love when you go eat food? What do you love when you experience an atmosphere? Um, and, and do that. Start there. Um, I think people lose track too quickly what they're passionate about. And I think um, I see a lot of friends that they have, they start off with an idea and they, they kind of lose it along the way. And then they never get started because there's no more passion in it. Um, and I also think this is probably going to be an uncommon piece of advice. But I actually would say don't don't worry about perfection. Um, I also see a lot of friends burn out because they they're so scared to launch because it's not exactly where they wanted it to be. Um, but the truth is, like, like you're if you really have something good in you, if you really have like a good idea, um, you're never going to be satisfied. You're going to be your worst critic, and so because you know where it needs to be in five years and. I think you got to give yourself a break and just get started. Um, so letting yourself maybe bring out a product or bring out an experience that you think it, you can stand by it, but it's, it's maybe not a hundred percent there yet. And I think, I think that's okay. And I think we live in a culture where there's like this idea of perfection, but there's not this idea. Like we've lost this idea of, um, kind of the like back and forth process of like creating and testing and, and re-evaluating. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's like, I don't know if you've ever read the book, um, lean startup. Um, I but, haven't, but I'll, I'll write it down. Yeah, no, it's it, it, what you just said is exactly what that book is about. It's basically huh. creating like a minimum viable product version of your, of whatever it is that you're looking to create like very bare bones and then just get it out there and get people's feedback and sort of figure out what it is that they want you to change, improve or whatever. And that will sort of validate whether or not what your, you know, the basic idea of your, of whether it's a product a service, whatever it is, you can validate it right there and not spend a ton of time. And like you're saying, wasting and burning yourself out, trying to make it perfect. And right. then either just never making it to the point of selling it or, getting to that point and realizing nobody necessarily wants the way that it, the way you made it, mm -hmm. yeah, um, totally. which, which is such a valuable lesson. And, um, you know, when I was younger, I didn't know that. And I, I definitely pursued some ideas without getting that feedback and always was obsessed, obsessed with making it perfect when in reality, you know, sometimes getting it done is better than perfect <clears throat> so that you can sort of progress because you learn so much in that journey and, what you learn will give you the ability to make it even better than you could have if you didn't do it. I do think there's something very special about 
keeping keeping your idea close um i mean if i listened to every person's feedback on my bags it, they of would course. be yeah. <laughs> you know they wouldn't be what they are today and so i think there's you got to hold on to your thing and then and then leave some room for for a little bit of critique or a little bit of um just some love like you just got to get people's hands on it and and see what it does and see what it opens up in people what's the best part about running your own business <sighs> the best part the best part is um for me is getting to work on many projects um i don't feel limited like having a lifestyle com company especially um i'm just i'm just a nerd when it comes to gear and ideas and so i get to i get to sketch something out and then and then create it and the the distance between the sketch and the end product gets shorter and shorter as you build out your resources and so like getting to getting to create something um and, and then buy the equipment or or whatever train you know train the people on it or build the pattern and do it myself or whatever um and then shooting it and getting it up on the website and watching people buy it and use it that that whole journey is like the most exhilarating thing i've ever, ever experienced and i feel like I, I have this sort of like little machine that i get to do that and test things like all the time um so that's just my personal f uh, joy with it and then the other piece is just getting to work with um, really cool people and knowing people i think the workplace is such a sacred a sacred thing that like so many people just look at it as one facet of their life and i think if you let if you let yourself into it enough like you can you can kind of merge merge things um together and, and granted i get to work with a lot of my friends so that <laughs> makes it easy but. yes it does <laughs> That's really awesome. I can hear the excitement and passion in your voice when you talk about this. Which, it, it, like you're, like you said before, you got to have that passion. If you don't, you're gonna, you're gonna burn yourself out, and you're not gonna. It's not gonna be the best that it possibly can be. And um, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I really like what you guys are doing. I think it's um, definitely unique. And I know you were saying that in the last five years that it's become something a little bit more popular, but I think the, the quality and craftsmanship that you guys are offering is still pretty unique and not that many brands are, are doing that. And, um, I want to, I want to segue, uh, for a second to the fact that we're going to be doing a giveaway with you guys and we're going to be giving away a day pack on uh, readyeddy.com between, uh, if you're listening to this between February 7th and the 21st, you can head over and enter for your chance to, uh, win one of their, uh, their backpacks. And, um, with that, uh, Tyler, I want to, I want to thank you for taking the time to chat with me. It was really cool to get to know you and hear your story. Um, but what I want to ask you is where can people, uh, get in contact with you, find out what's going on with Bradley Mountain, Bradley Mountain and, um, keep up to date. Yeah. Um, I'd say, uh, the best way is to, um, either sign up for our email list or, um, follow us on Instagram. Um, we usually keep people pretty informed on there. Uh, what's coming out soon. Um, and then you guys can always um, hit us up on our contact info on the website, uh, bradleymountain.com. If you have questions, um, Keaton is amazing and he'll take care, good care of you. Perfect. Tyler, thank you so much for taking the time. It was a blast. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Josh.
If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.